Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by 3M, PPG, and Breakthrough Academy. Welcome to the Women in Paint podcast. I'm Michael Cheney, the owner of No Drip Painting, where we are changing lives through paint. And I've got one of our favorites, Maggie Kuiper, on board with me today. And we are going to talk all the fun stuff, or should I say scary stuff, Maggie? We're going to talk numbers and planning for growth. Maggie's got an amazing presentation that she's going to share with us today. So Maggie, let's just jump right in and tell us what we're going to talk about today. And do we need to really be scared about it? Um, no, no one needs to be scared. Numbers, numbers are not scary. Numbers are just intimidating. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, but there's freedom in numbers, right? If you truly, I mean, sure, Michael, you feel that way when you have a good grasp of your numbers, it's actually less scary, right? Certainly. Uh, That's something that I've had to learn because I think you're right. The intimidation factor is there. And I'm sure it stems from many things in life, right? I mean, me personally growing up in in a family that uh, probably didn't have the healthiest relationship with money. uh, You know, we're not often taught how to manage money. And um, so I think the intimidation factor is certainly there for a lot of us. But you are absolutely right. Once I started to dig into my numbers, Um, And, you know, now, you know, I'm at a point and I'm sure you are too, where you can partner with an accountant that helps you do that and you can understand things. And then for me, that has given me um, the freedom and the joy of then being able to strategize. Right. So what I have learned as a business owner is learning my numbers turned me on to this whole idea of being able to apply strategy, which turns out I love. And I didn't quite know that until I got numbers under control and then I could really start planning. Um, So let's go ahead and jump into what you've got. I'm going to share your presentation and let's just go for it. And I'm sure we'll have some great conversations along the way. Perfect. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, keep in mind, one of the things I've learned just talking with business owners in the paint world and anywhere is, uh, and especially in our paint world, numbers get thrown around and, you know, people are, people are touting gross revenue and everyone has this like, like, oh, I want to get to the million dollar mark. And then they get to the million dollar mark and they want to get to the 2.5. There's like these fake benchmarks that we've created. Um, you know, and then the same thing with profit, they're like, you got to have, you know, 15% net profit to be a successful paint company. And all these numbers are tossed into the ethereal. And that's great to have benchmarks to kind of at least start with, but every business model is different. And so that's kind of the point of what I want to talk about today is just as you plan for growth in your company, um, growth means a lot of things, but to be able to plan for growth, it's exactly what you said, Michael, is you have to be able to know your numbers um, specific to your business. And just a super small example for us, we're a subcontractor model and we have killer subcontractors who um, manage, manage their own jobs for the most part. Um, we still have project managers, but we carry a super high um, cost of jobs because of that, because basically, you know, my subs are carrying the equivalent to having a larger payroll. Right. Um, so my profit numbers, my gross profit numbers might look different than than someone who has an employee model because employees right. are below the line. Subs are above the line. Right. Mm-hmm. Um so if you're listening to this and you're already starting to sweat because I use the word gross profit and above line and below line, take a deep breath. 
that's about as technical as I'm going to get. And so we'll dive into kind of what this whole thing is. Um, yeah. And Maggie, let me quickly say, I like one of the things that your presentation did for me when I originally saw it was, well, let me say this. I have fallen victim to the, how much are you going to make? What are, what's your revenue? Right. And for yes. some reason, I feel like obviously my experience is in our industry, but it, it's a number that people throw out there and then I have found myself, oh my gosh, I got to get to the million. I got to get the 2 million. I got to do 3 million. And it's like that had become my focus. And I will tell you what, this year in particular, um, because that was my focus, I really uh, had to have learning lessons. And what you actually have helped me do with this presentation is readjust my focus and perception. Mm -hmm. Do. And then I will say to Orlando Hakes has also helped me with this um, because a piece that you're going to talk about is it's not so much about your revenue. I mean, that's a piece of the puzzle, right? But how about just being able to answer the question, are you happy? <laughs> is yeah. what you're doing, does it make you happy? Do you feel satisfied? And I know you're going to dig into all that. Um, but I think a, a part of this is, man, we need to get rid of this, this egocentric piece of what are my, what are my, sales, what, how much money are we bringing into the business? Because there are much more important details that you're about to touch on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a culture to your business that becomes embedded in what you're chasing. And if you're chasing top dollar revenue, um, then that culture is going to trickle down. And I'm sure you felt that, right? Like you're like, well, we got to get more revenue, got to get more revenue. And I can only guess that you probably had production issues when you did that. Is that correct? <laughs> Production, but also I'll tell you what, hiring issues, because yeah. when you're hiring out of urgency and yeah. desperation is what I call it, you make <laughs> the wrong decisions. Yeah. But when yeah. you're hiring from a place of culture and who you are yeah. and, um, you know, hiring for character, that's a different approach. And um, it, it doesn't put money at the focus of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky balance though, because money is why we do this. Right. I mean, uh -huh. we're going to just keep circling around. All right. Well, I'll dive into this. Um, but Michael, you're, you're awesome and you have a great business. Um, but yes, the whole point of growth and, and this kind of theory that I'm going to share today is just making sure that your business works for you. And hopefully that becomes clear, um, as it did for you, Michael, but, uh, if you're watching this, there's a really cute kid on the screen right now. This is my daughter. I have a 12, I have three kids, but my oldest is just about to be 12. And she's one of those kids that just asks questions that like dagger you to the heart. Um, I remember when she was like three, she asked one of my friends, why, why, why swear words were bad? Like who decided that these were bad words? And my friend was like, what kind of four-year-old asked that? I'm like, I don't mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, real um, quick, Maggie, um, I can edit this, but the we're still seeing the cover page planning for growth. Oh. I'm I scrolling through. Oh, there it is. So should I just go through like this? Because this is just a... Um, click to the next one. Let me see what happens. Okay, now, it, now I'm seeing the other screens. So what I wonder... That? Um, let me see if there's something I need to do. Um, I think you might have to click on it directly. Okay. And we'll just have to see the outline. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Hmm, that's weird. Okay. Most people are listening anyway. Yeah. Work in progress. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. So um, I have three kids. Uh, the oldest is 12. And she's the kind of kid that will just dagger you with amazing questions. Um, but she asked me the other day, she said, why did you start? Why did you start a business? Why did you start Harpeth Painting? Were you trying to make money or have a really good team? And, you know, as as we all know, kids have a way of asking things that kind of flip you upside down. And I thought, first of all, I thought, I wonder what message I'm sending my kids. Like, mm. you know, they, apparently she hears me talk about 
how this company helps us, you know, survive as a family and have a lifestyle. But then also she's hearing me talk about this wonderful team and how excited I am to go to work every day. So it was just kind of one of those moments where I thought, shoot, yeah, why are we starting a business? Um, and is that message clear to everyone around us? Um, are we starting a business because we're trying to shovel in as much money as we can? Or are we doing it to have, you know, a team around us that we love? Are we doing it to have a lifestyle? Um, you know, there's just kind of a lot of whys behind why we start a business. And if you haven't read that book, Start With Why, it's, you know, a really great book to help you figure that out. But I bet if you just took two seconds to breathe, we all know why we started our business. And making money is not the wrong reason to start a business at all. Uh, money is not evil um, whatsoever. Abuse of money is, but just making sure that we um, know the why behind it is super important. Um, our company, our why was we've always wanted to own a business. We've always wanted to be entrepreneurs. My husband has a background in construction. Uh, he's been in the commercial construction world forever. I have a background in leadership, in uh, the school setting and coaching. And we just saw a huge opportunity in the national market for a painting contractor that, that provided craftsmanship as well as character, you know, people who care about the quality of the work as well as how they treat people. Not saying there's not companies in Nashville that aren't like that, but, you know, we saw an opportunity and with Matt's connections in the commercial world, we kind of hit the ground running and our growth was unthrottled. It was absolutely us letting our market grow us, which is not the right way to grow. <laughs> um, it was reactive. It was successful if you look at it financially, but it destroyed me personally. Um, we grew just Matt, me and our painters. We grew to three and a half million before we hired our first employee. So just think for two wow. seconds that <laughs> that meant that we were selling and managing and doing the back end and answering the phone calls and doing all these things for three and a half million dollars worth of work. Now, granted, some of those were large commercial contracts, but not all of them. And so it was, I mean, I was working 60 hours a week. I was waking up at 3 a.m. to finish bids. I was not emotionally present for my kids. It was um, just not the right lifestyle. And so we eventually, you know, my husband finally said, like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah, we're making money. And our accountant's like, holy crap, you have phenomenal profit this year. And what are you guys doing? And I'm over here, like, on my counselor's couch, like, uh, trying to survive is what I'm doing, you know, so we, we didn't have the why we didn't have the focus of what are we doing? Um, and why are we doing this? And so, yeah, the opportunities were there. We had revenue. Um, we had lots of great um, projects that we were able to experience new types of coatings and new situations, but we had no infrastructure. We had no one helping us. And anyone we did hire was like a cowboy because we had no systems in place. We had no infrastructure. Uh -huh. like, Come on board, but... uh best of luck. <laughs> right. Maggie, was there like a final breaking point for you and Matt to be like, look, this, we, we gotta, we gotta change something. And the second piece of that is how do you stop the crazy machine long enough to get all of the things in place that you're talking about? Maybe you can yeah. expand on that a little bit. Shoot, man, you stopped the machine. I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, our turning point was really just a slow burn of Matt kind of continually poking at me of like, you're, you're doing too much. We've got to slow this down. We've got to get this under control. Um, you know, just take a deep breath and let's, let's figure this out. And so for us, that was hiring. And so we brought on in two years span, we grew our team from me and Matt to eight. We're now at almost 11. So, we did a huge hiring spree. Um, thankfully, we found people from in the industry as well as outside, which I think is a good combination, you know, bring some experience, but then, you know, other people who question 
have never been in it. Well, why are we doing it this way? Those are good perspectives. Um, but it was probably, I would say six to eight months of work between Matt and I kid you not, my counselor just kind of like, dude, like you need to, yeah. you need a plan, you know? And I love the mentality of, you know, we were in the weeds. It was rock bottom. I'm working 60 hours a week. So I said, and this was the advice of my counselor, how much longer can I do this? Uh-huh. We all have a, we all have a point, right? How much longer can you? And I looked at her, it was, I don't know, it was October maybe. And I was like, I can do this till January. Like I can, you know, it's like, there's an athlete in me. I was an athlete. So it's like, you know, I, I can, I can finish this workout 15 minutes left. I got this right. So I was like, I can do this till January and it having that mindset and giving yourself a a deadline was like a complete game changer for me emotionally to just say, okay, I don't have to fix it next week. Mm -hmm. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to turn this upside down and um, make everything better in a week, but I can do it in four months. I can do that. And then all of a sudden when you're stressed out, where does your brain go? January, right? Yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, over the course, I'd say about six months, we were kind of able to realize like this business is supposed to be our freedom machine. This business is supposed to be what allows our family the lifestyle we want. And I don't mean lifestyle lavish, like we drive BMWs and live on a mm-hmm. lake. Um, but I just mean a lifestyle where we're, like you said, content. And every morning, I mean, I don't know, you go to Mexico, that's lifestyle. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I've spent a lot of time in Mexico and, but I'll tell you what, I experienced exactly what you experienced in, in some capacity. And I'll tell you what it was, is that for about five years, I have literally had chronic back pain and Mm. it it has, it had gotten up into my neck to where, I mean, I I in serious pain now, you know, partner with doctors, all that MRI, there's some real stuff happening in my back, but I actually contribute most of it to this business running Mm. me. I got to a point where let me tell you, I love this business. It's my life. It's my passion, right? I got to the point where I said, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And it was heartbreaking that I got to that point because I knew how much I love the business and I knew the opportunity that exists. But my breaking point was me actually bringing it on a therapist and saying, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And thankfully I had, um, you know, just an amazing, uh, coach in that aspect that that helped me get to the bottom of this and it was oh my gosh I've got to make changes here my health is actually now being um, impacted on this and not to mention my mind and my relationships and all the things Um, but I think what you're touching on is one you're demonstrating that there is an opportunity to change your perspective we don't have to let the business run us now it's not easy but when you can say, wait, there is another way. And like you gave yourself a deadline. I think that that's the first part of it. And I think sometimes we don't even know it's an option because we're just so used to running this rat race. Right. Right. It's so true. And there's, there's so much truth. And my dad is a professor of entrepreneurship. So um, great built-in coach there, but he always talks about, um, rock bottom is the same for everyone. And so if you feel like you're nearing rock bottom, like you experienced with your back or like I experienced with my stress and, um, you know, anxiety, um, the, (laughs) I laugh because it's so funny, but the, the Alcoholics Anonymous program, right. You hit rock bottom. First step is, is admitting you have a problem, Mm. right. The first step was you sitting there and saying, this is the result of, what I'm doing and I need to fix it. Right. And so I make that statement. And then what's the next thing you do? It's, it's bird by bird. It's step by step. What's the first thing I can do. Right. There might be 10 steps to your plan, but you got to just start with step one. Right. right. And it's so funny, but shoot to overcome an addiction is one of the hardest neurological and psychological and physiological things you can do. So why are we not learning more from them? Because that's smart, right? Like That is the way to go. But anyway, that's a tangent. I'll digress. But yeah, so, so you get to this point, you're, you're 
you're overwhelmed, you're lost, you're feeling like this business um, is, yeah, like you said, running you. How do we fix that? Um, and that's where um, this whole, what's called the bottom up financial model comes. And yes, I did just say financial. So we were in like this <laughs> nitty gritty emotional discussion about therapy and our why, but also um, we've got to run a business, right? And so your, your money is probably part of your stress. I mean, part of my stress was wanting to sell enough work to keep making the money our family was making. And so um, it's time to focus on what your company is for you. And so growth is a word that our industry uses. And what do we think about immediately with growth? We think about money, right? We're like, oh, we're going to grow revenue. We're going to grow. We're going to hire more people. We're going to be bigger. Um, and that's yeah. not necessarily true. Growth can also be your freedom. It can be a growth of time in your day. It can be a growth of um, yourself as a person. Maybe you have a great stable running company, but, and you're bored. So maybe now it's time for you to grow personally. Maybe your company is doing great and you want to grow to another location nearby or whatever it is. Growth, growth has a lot of meanings. And so I don't want people to think when I say we need to grow, that it needs to be our revenue. Um, and we need to just figure out our why behind growth. You know, we don't, like you were saying, Michael, you go into this year trying to grow your top dollar because why? I don't know. Cause you thought you were supposed to, right? That's or, right. Or because other people are doing it and we compare ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you're, Maybe you're wanting to go because you're scared. That was me. I was scared that if I didn't take the jobs in front of me, that there wouldn't be those jobs next year, right? So it was this franticness of, oh my gosh, I have to take these jobs because these jobs are here and they might not be next year and we need the money because what if this all falls apart? Oh gosh, you are hitting the nail on the head. I mean, really what you're talking about is having a scarcity mindset, Yes. right? Um, yeah. but man, the, the big thing here is redefining what growth means for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And a scarcity mindset will not exist if you understand your numbers, <laughs> yes. because here I am sitting on um, two years, the other side of that scarcity mindset. And I have a very strong understanding of how much I need as a human, how much my company needs to operate and then how much I need to sell. It's a very simple equation. And that's this upside down model as instead of focusing on top dollar and then hoping everything fits into place, we're going to switch it and it's going to become, I want to make this much money. The company that I'm running needs this much to operate. And then as a result, here's what I need to sell. That's and we right. can get into the, you know, there's the whole marketing strategies of how to sell all that. And those are the things we're currently working on. We now know what we need to sell. Now we're trying to learn, you know, what spigots to turn on from a marketing perspective, et cetera. But the bottom line is it took us two years to realize our core value is not making as much money as we can and churning and burning paint you know, one of our core values is gaining and maintaining relationships, is teamwork, mm -hmm. is expertise. And these are things that are not just, and there's nothing wrong with churn and burn paint companies. McDonald's sure. is a very successful business. And if you're running the McDonald's of painting, good for you, because you're probably doing great. And you have this system that operates, right? I, we never have a bad hamburger at McDonald's. It's the same hamburger every single time you have it, right? We are not McDonald's as a company. And so obviously my business model and what we need to operate is going to be different than somebody who's more of a McDonald's. And so right. really just kind of understanding your business model and what it needs. It changed our lives. Yeah. And I think like, you know, the idea of, you know, okay, obviously we're the business owners you start with, okay, what do I need and, or what do I want? might even be a better question um, mm -hmm. in terms of what you want to make. Now, what you want to make this year might not be the same as next year and the year after, right? right? The idea is to grow. But I think, I don't know, 
Maggie, what do you think? I feel like even specifically for women, um, being able to say, here's what I want, Mm -hmm. um, is sometimes not what we're, we're taught to do, but what I've discovered and, and still learning by all means, I mean, I have not figured this out. It's, it's why I'm over here taking notes based on what, what you're, you're <laughs> preaching today. Um, but the idea is to say, no, here's what I want. And you yeah. start with that, you know, here's what I want financially. Here's what I want for my family, for my life. And then your business is built around that. And yeah. the cool thing that I'm starting to experience is that when I can define that for myself, then I can also help my team define it, right? Because once you do have a team in some capacity for me, I want them to experience some of what I'm, I'm experiencing right now. I'm the one that's decided to be the business center. I'm the one here that is uh, taking all the risk and doing all that. So my trajectory might look a little bit different. My desires are different, but I want my team to have a piece of this too, right? I want them to have a piece of this puzzle, a piece of the freedom, um, and the joy yeah. around what is possible within this business as well. That's so beautiful. And it's so true. Um, we joke every time we hire somebody, um, we don't joke. We just say to them, we're like, we want you to make more money than us. Like Matt and I are good. We've established yes. a revenue that works for our family. Um, it's a heck of a lot more money than I made as a teacher, but it's nothing lavish. It's nothing over the top. It takes care of what our family needs to take care of. And I, my goal this year, we have a director. Um, we promoted him. He was a sales guy. We promoted him to deck director of repaint. I am like, fingers crossed. I'm like, make more money than me, buddy. Let's go. Like, I want you yes. to succeed. I want you to um, see what this feels like. And some people are inspired by that. Some people aren't. But yeah, I mean, well, when you were Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I mean, it's, 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 I love that. And, you know, for us, what, what's important to my team and to me is that we have time to do the things that we want. Like you said, I like to go to Mexico. I started scuba diving mm -hmm. in the last year and now I'm obsessed with it, yeah. but I want my team to do that. Right. So um, yeah. for my salaried folks, we have unlimited vacation. Yep. And that's how we yep. can give back. Now, now that also comes with a lot of responsibility. Right. Yep. But to, to kind of tie this all together, that's one of the things we want to be able to provide to our team. So then the question is, okay, how do we do that? If that's a goal, now how do we understand our numbers and incorporate strategy to then make that happen, whether it's time, whether it's dollars or, or what have you? Yeah. I mean, you've got to know, you've got to know your break even. You have got to sit, and if you don't have if that overwhelms you, there are people who can help you figure that out. And I'm not, um, I, I don't know who that is for you. If, if you need recommendations, I know some phenomenal people um, who are deeply involved in the PCA. So they share some of the same core values as, as us. But if, if understanding your break even overwhelms you, then just get help. Um, paying for financial help will actually have an ROI. And it doesn't feel like it. It's not like a salesperson where it's like, oh, he pays for himself because he sells his work and, you know, it works out. It's it's daunting to think, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to drop, you know, $3,000 for this appropriate business coaching to get a better understanding of my numbers. But I guarantee you, you will save $3,000 by the end of the year. I have no idea what a business coach costs because the prices are all over, but that number is just an example. Um, and just helping, helping you to know your break even. It's easy to say, I want to make this much money. You have a family budget. Um, if you don't have a family budget, you start tracking your spending and you get an idea of what you need, um, what you want, excuse me. And then that break even is, is huge. And if you have a PL, you should be able to see it pretty easily, um, especially looking over it across a year, not just, you know, a minute detail of a month, our PL numbers fluctuate quite a bit with billing cycles and all that. So find help if you can't figure out your break even, but break even is what it costs to run your business. And if you don't know what it costs to run your business, I bet you're floundering trying to figure out what you need to sell and have that scarcity mindset. Um, but Michael, you touched on something I want to go back to, which is as women, we have a hard time saying what we want or what we deserve. 
And I think there needs to be a moment of empathy for that because that stung um, really deeply when you said it. We, we have worked over here. I have worked on that exact thing hard over the last few years um, carrying this, like, especially in the service industry. And I hear other women talk about it. It's feeling embarrassed to ask Mm -hmm. for $25,000 for a repaint feeling, um, like they're not worth the extra markup between the, um, designer and the builder or whatever, and feeling like they have to discount their services because they're just, it feels wrong or bad. Um, and I just, I mean, I felt the same way we bought, um, we bought our oldest daughter a horse last year because she's extremely competitive in the equestrian world. And she's also a very sensitive and anxious kid and have being on the farm is the healthiest thing for her mental health. And the number of comments that I have had people make about, Oh, you guys have a horse or, Oh, your kids in horseback riding. And it's just like, those messages dig into us yes. and I had to learn to say, like, I don't have to defend my family's decision. First of all, you That's don't right. know how much you lost. <laughs> Second of all, it's not my place to have to defend or speak out or justify. And the same holds true for our paint jobs. Like, I don't, you don't have to defend somebody and say, well, it's going to cost this much because I've got to do this and this and this, and I've got to add this. Yeah. Line out your scope because that's the appropriate thing to do to protect yourself on a bid. Mm -hmm. Don't line out your scope because you're trying to justify what you're charging. That's good right there. Oh my gosh. You are just, you know what we, how much time do we have? I don't know. This is the whole. This is the whole show in itself. I mean, you are. I know so we're not right even though. talking about profit, are we? <laughs> that I mean, it all ties together. But no, you're sorry. You know, when I first started doing estimates, I I wouldn't even ask for a deposit because one, I was desperate to get to get the job, and two, what I think now is that I wasn't confident enough to go back and say, okay, here's I we need a deposit, and here's a deposit. Now it's so funny think about that because we you know, we don't do anything without a deposit. We take a 35% deposit period. If you can't pay that, you're probably not, you're just not a fit for us. And we have no problem saying that. I have no problem saying that to someone, but it is, I think it's tied to this insecurity. I mean, we're going to get deep here, Maggie. I think there's a lot of (laughs) self-worth insecurities that come up. I think declaring what you want is often an uncomfortable space for women. And because of that, we tiptoe around or worse, I think sometimes because we're not necessarily raised to declare what we want, we often don't know what we want. So it mm-hmm. takes us to go through many, many different things in life to say, wait, that's not what I want. So what I've learned, again, through a lot of therapy over the last couple of years is, first of all, what do I want? How do I figure that out? And I think if we if we can really quiet the voices and and not fall victim to what the world tells us we want when we can get inside ourselves and and have a moment we can understand what we want and then we feel a little bit more empowered to actually go for it and ask for it um but this ties into this whole idea that i am often preaching that um if we don't figure these things out about ourselves if we don't figure out that we've got um maybe some insecurities around the financial things in life or the self-worth things or all the things guess what? It shows up in the business, right? It it showed up when I was too scared to ask for a deposit. Um, And it it has shown up when I was afraid to look at numbers because I didn't quite understand them. But it, it, you know, this, and and the the interesting thing is, I don't know if this is all specific to women. I know that when I talk to women, we often align on this. um, And maybe at some point we can get some fellows on here to talk about uh, is this kind of just the way we all are, or are these topics more specific to women? Yeah, we need to get uh, we just need to get Zach Kenny on the podcast to yell at all these women and just say, you're making art up your prices. Let's go. (laughs) Okay, I love it. (laughs) But no, it's true. I mean, yeah, it's uh, uh, the more you can understand 
scary things like money, the more you can understand the root of your actions, the more you can understand what culture you want your business, um, the more this freedom machine is going to take hold, right? That's right. That's right. And it's so different for everyone. We just, you know, we've tripled in size, doubled in size year after year, and we're now plateauing. And I've said this before, but my family's revenue has not changed, right? What's changed is what we're getting from it, to your point, right. right? What's changed is me deeply understanding that I'm not working when the kids get out of school. Like, I'm not working till six o'clock. That is, could I have more money in my bank account if I did? Probably. Could sure. I prospect more jobs? Could I figure out more systems? Probably, but I don't want to. I want to stop working and be with my kids. And there's That's a right. glass one with that revenue. And I'm okay with that. So what would you tell someone who's just getting started? So I, I believe in what you're saying. I believe there's a freedom machine here. I think I'm just scratching the surface of being mm -hmm. able to, to really feel it. But I see the opportunity. But I can tell you a couple years ago, boy, I didn't. So what message do you tell maybe people who are just getting started, women who are just getting started in this business, mm -hmm. and they are the painter, the estimator, the project manager, they're doing it all. How do we inspire them to keep going and say, no, you can do yeah. this uh, when, when they're not feeling it, they're still questioning on a day-to-day -day basis what the heck they're even doing? Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question, Michael should have set me up with a little more time to come up with an answer. <laughs> but um, I think uh, I think an important thing if you're if you're new in this and I know I've said this through the last 20 minutes, but you need to set a goal um, for what this is for you. And that can be a revenue goal for your family. Um, and that revenue goal can be tiny. Maybe you don't want maybe you don't want the pressure of making a bunch of money. Maybe you're not the breadwinner. And this is, you know, a side hobby. And that's fine. Uh -huh. But kind of understanding what you want from this, both logistically, financially, and emotionally. Um, and then finding somebody to share that with and have some accountability with. And that can be a business partner, that can be a spouse, that can be a business coach, that can be a therapist, it can be a mentor. I mean, it looks different for everyone. But for me, it was my dad. He's you know, my pro bono business coach, thankfully. But every time we grow, he looks me dead in the eye and he says, why are you growing? And he doesn't mean that viciously. He just wants to make sure that I'm not growing just to grow and that it's strategic and planned and intentional. And so he's become my accountability. Um, and he's, he, he's someone that checks in. He can tell when I'm stressed out. He checks in when I have wins and then he keeps me accountable for the goal, which is being there for my kids first and making sure the money is in the bank. Right. Um, and it's, that is core because we cannot do this alone. You cannot, no, this can't. is hard. What we are doing is hard. And right. if you do it alone and do it alone successfully for 10 years, then you're a freaking badass and you shouldn't be listening to this podcast and you should be leading this podcast. Cause that's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, and let's not uh, fail to mention that actually what you're touching on is one of the reasons why women in paint exist, right. To have this community, to make the connection, to hear the stories, to get the inspiration. Uh, because, you know, for, for many, many years, I didn't have any sort of community, let alone women in the business. And this, this group exists to, to be that soundboard, to, um, you know, find that mentor even to get the information, to have someone like your dad that says, Hey, why are you doing this? And to kind of, uh, you know, make sure that, that you're, you're, you've got someone you can check in with. Yeah, for sure. It's the community's there. Um, whether it's through the PCA or like as a wide hole or through women in paint or through just little relationships that, that you formed, but this industry is not shy of people wanting to help each other. And that is so unique. Yes, it is. <laughs> the number. Well, I mean, and 
And it's if, if you're looking for that, right? Like if you're looking for the people to help, they are in this industry. But also if you're not looking for it, you will find the naysayers because there is still a yeah. huge portion of our industry that is, I, I call it, they're just kind of stuck in the, the old days, the old ways. Um, and they aren't there to share knowledge. But I'll tell you yeah. what, if you want to find it, PCA is obviously a great resource, but there are many folks like you that are willing to share their numbers, share how they got to the next level, yeah. um, all of the strategies that they use. And it's um, any got, side. There are that's one right. man who's willing to help. And I mean, we've flown out to New Jersey to visit Alpine Painting and we're just welcomed with gracious arms to complete strangers up there. And they're, you know, multi-million dollar industrial company doing all kinds of crazy snot. And that was just all through an email from the PCA. So it doesn't, you know, if you want to see someone equivalent to you or someone where the sky's the limit, I mean, there is yeah. anybody. So true. You've got a great quote on the screen uh, by John Maxwell that says, change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Yeah. Let that one sink in, right? Things are going to change. Our, the world around us is going to change. We're going to change. Our team is going to change. Um, change is happening, period. I mean, that's how this world was designed is to evolve and grow. And um, whether or not you choose to grow with it, that's that's the choice, right? <laughs> that's right. Um, so yeah, we've talked about that. your we've talked about your bottom line, the importance of understanding that. Um, and then one one kind of thought I have, and, and I'd like to see what you think about this, but I, I find folks, uh, so let me say this, in Columbus, I offer to do job costing training. I partner with Sean mm -hmm. Williams every so often. I kind of host a little event where I teach job costing uh, and invite folks and they come in and check it out. I'm always surprised by how many people don't do job costing. And what I mean by that is just after you do a job, you look at what did it cost you to do the job, you know, materials, labor, all the things that it, that it takes and literally what's left over, what goes in the bank account. Yeah. People don't do it. And I will share my spreadsheet. People don't access it. What do you think the hangup is on digging in and starting small? Cause I think just knowing how you did on a project is about mm -hmm. is small as you can get to get your foot in the door of understanding your numbers. Do you have any insight on why we got to push people to do that? I think there's two reasons and I'm just going to sound out like a jerk right now, but number one, you're either lazy and just don't want to do it because it's nitty gritty clerical work. Um, or number two is a fear, right? I'm mm -hmm. scared that if I put this on paper, I'm going to see what I did wrong in estimating or where I could have done better. Or, um, I mean, job costing is vulnerable and it yeah. is like walking out on your neighborhood street, butt naked, wondering who's going to see you. Right. Like, well, I mean, when you put it like that, no wonder people don't do it, but it's true. It's true. I mean, when Very we, when I open job costing, I still get this little feeling in my tummy where I'm like, who, what am I going to see? Mm -hmm. You know, it yes. just becomes like a, thing that but job costing is the other half to this whole thing that's right because my nanny's picking up my child's homework hang on yeah you got it <laughs> Kaylin I'm in here sorry I'm, I mean I'm on a podcast but I told her to stop recording <laughs> thank you <laughs> sorry uh-huh no, no no she did this over the summer <laughs> Sorry, we started school. Thanks. And my second grader forgot her summer reading homework. No, this is the real behind the scenes. I love it, right? This is real life. This is Sorry. real life business owner. Here it is right here. Okay, so um, job, job costing. Um, what were we saying? I was going to say something. Why people don't do it. Oh. The fear. So, yeah, so knowing your break even is step one. But then you have the other half of your finances, which is how are our jobs doing, right? And right. so you've got break even, which is what it takes to run. But then you have the other bubble above it, which is how much is our company 
going to produce and what is our profit? What is our profit on those jobs? Cause that's part of the bottom up equation. Um, right. Knowing your break, knowing what you want to make, knowing your break even, and then knowing the profit margin your jobs sit at so that you can understand your top revenue. Um, yeah. And that fluctuates. And like I said, it's different for every company. Our gross profit numbers are low because we have more costs with the sub model because of how we operate. So ours mm-hmm. is going to look different than someone else's. Um, and so really understanding that, but that is job costing and that yeah, is, it's, um, it's a foundational it, piece. Yeah. But job job cost- been, it's been freeing for us. We realized this year we are just sucking at exteriors on red. So mm. we do res and commercial. We do repaint. We do new. We literally do everything. And our res repaint exteriors have been crappy, crappy across the board. It doesn't matter what sub crew, what salesperson, what job size, they have just not gone well. And knowing that, because we look at job costing as a team, we're able to say, you know what, guys, we got to buckle down on this. All right. We either need to figure it out, charge more or stop bidding exteriors. Mm. And then we just need to figure it out. But if I didn't job cost, I wouldn't know that. And I would continue dig into negative profit jobs and that's just bad business <laughs> that's right and the job costing is what helped you figure out yeah. your pricing right yeah. it's, it's and when we so, job you know, cost, yeah we we don't just look at materials and and labor we look at who was the crew who was the salesperson what mm-hmm. type of job was it sometimes we'll even look at the zip code um and then be able to make strategic, like you said, strategic decisions, which is not no more exteriors. It's, hey, we need to figure out what we're doing wrong. We need to figure out where we're missing the mark. That's right. Uh, Wow. We have talked about a lot of great information. Any other nuggets of um, growth or within your presentation that you want to share with us before we wrap up? Let's see. I had a slide that was final thoughts. No, I mean, we talked about knowing your why, um, building a freedom machine, uh, knowing that growth is sometimes hard. I mean, remembering back to October where I knew I had to keep grinding for at least six months or whatever it was, five months. Um, And then now that we're planning our growth, it's less stress inducing. Um, But yeah, I mean, the final thought, like we said, is don't do this alone. That's right. Don't, yeah. Michael, when, you know, Michael's here to help. Call Michael. <laughs> Call Maggie. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm taking notes from you, remember? Yeah. Um, but no, you know what? The And I will say that when you get to the point where you can actually plan, I think it, it becomes fun, right? Uh, and when you have people to partner with. Folks well, I'm still to, scared. Let's, let's all be clear about oh, that. Oh. Well, listen, there's always this fear. You know what? At one but it's point, game in, day, in, right? It's game day. Your present, yes. When I originally saw this presentation, or it might have just been, been talking to you, you you um, painted this picture very well for me because you said something along the lines of, look, we might have a great win that we share with the team and we're so excited about it. And we're on top of the world. And in that same thought, right after that, it's, holy, you know what, what are we going to do about this? Are we going to survive it? It's this emotional roller coaster all the time. And and this balance of we've got this great win, but oh my gosh, we've also uh, got this happening over here. So it, it is this up and down. And I think what I will say is what one of the biggest things I've learned as a business owner is that when I can enjoy that moment of the success, winning the big job, uh, seeing job costing that looks amazing. When I can take the moment and let that sink in and breathe and enjoy mm-hmm. it, it helps me for the other moments mm-hmm. of the, the oh crap moments. Um, and having the stomach to be able to enjoy that win and also the persistency to dig through the tougher time and keep seeing the vision, uh, knowing that you can't quite see around the corner, but believing that what is around that corner is exactly what you need. And it's going to come at the right exact time. And, and just believing, I think for me, is, is what helps keep me going. 
That's beautiful. Any final thoughts for us? Any final yeah, thoughts for us? Before we wrap up? If I may, I know we've rambled on about really awesome things, but um, I used to coach obviously, and I use coaching analogies a lot, but I always told my team that nerves keep you focused. Mm. And the minute that you're overly nervous or not nervous at all is the minute that I worry about your performance. And it's proven time and time again in sports psychology, but um, an optimum, you know, I had a really, really awesome state championship team when I coached high school volleyball, they were just studs. And we went into the state championship undefeated and they thought they were the coolest people in the world strutting in the gym. Like, you know, we're undefeated. We're the best. And you know what coach was thinking? Oh shit. They're not focused. Right. right. So if all you do is celebrate the wins, if all you do is strut and live in the good, then you're going to get blindsided for the record. We did end up winning everything fine, but I had to give them a real hard talking to, but if you wake up nervous, that's a good thing. That means you care. Right. That means you're focused. Right. It doesn't mean well, that I, you're yeah. failing. Well, as a former athlete and coach, I so appreciate your. Yes. Uh, that's how we get along. That in. <laughs> All right. I love it. Um, so Maggie, thank you so much for being here with yep. me. Uh, last but not least, let's just quickly go over um, what we're doing in November in Nashville. Tell us about the women's event. And um, let's hype it up and try and get yeah. as many people there as we possibly can. Two-day event, PCA's Women in Paint Conference. It's um, in Nashville at the Gaylord Opryland, which is just the most epic hotel. If you've never been to one, there, I mean, there's gardens, boats, everything inside of it. It's the coolest place. But we're focusing the event on um, growing fully and leading fully. And so we're going to pour into both the emotional side of being a business owner, the logistical side of being a business owner and the tactical side of painting. So you're going to learn from people about paint. You're going to learn from people about boundaries and you're going to learn from people about job costing. I mean, it's all over the board. So it's going to be a great time for community and fellowship for all the women in our industry. That's right. I'm looking forward to it. I'm bringing all the ladies on my team Yeah, I I can't wait for it. Uh, Maggie, thank you for your insight, your expertise. Thank you for continued to be an inspiration. And um, until next time. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you, Maggie. And we will see everybody next time. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.